Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the greatest show in Austin, Texas. <laughs> Gosh, have we got that title already, brother? Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, we we created an award ceremony and we won for ourselves, right? Yeah. Oh, so and we, we invited ourselves and, and we, we dressed up, and there was people at home think that's weird, but that's what we like to do, and we awarded ourselves a trophy. Dang, there we are, the greatest show in Austin. That's Texas. right. We we are the, we beat out our competitors who were <laughs> banjo. And uh, baby, that's yeah, little dogs. Go. Yeah, they had. Yeah, they. They did didn't give stand us, a chance because they can't even talk. So. But they, but they did give us a run for our money. You know, at, it was at close. Points, it was close. The voting in the house was close. You know, yeah. between your family and mine, they were. It, it was, was tough. It was we a, won by one vote. One vote set us apart. So that's right. Paranormal roundtable. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's the show now. Ready you know? show. That's the yeah. show. People are like, oh, you were running against little dogs. So what? We still won. Yeah. Winning is everything, dude. Exactly. That's it. If you're not first, you're last. That's right. And in that running, it's what it was. Yeah. I'll tell you yeah. what, that, that that brings us into our show today. Now, we're winning, especially who we're going to have today Oh, yeah. Show. He's a winner. I, I like the guy. He's got uh, several books. He's a, a researcher. Accomplished researcher. Very Accomplished good. Accomplished writer. Been, been on TV. His name is Ken Gerhardt. Yeah. Everybody go back and, and and listen to that part again. Ken Gerhardt, or I'll say it, but yeah, Ken is going to be on the show with us yep, today. Good guy. I like Ken a lot. I've been watching him and his research for a long time. Yeah, I, I definitely enjoy it. You know, just don't even know how to explain it other than maybe the words will come to me later on how to explain how I view his style of work and how he goes about doing it. But, you know, before we get... Into the interview and everything else. Plug uh, the email. Yeah, we got to get the email to everybody. Doswolfman88 at gmail.com and wolfandsal at gmail.com. Send and us your stories. Send us your stories, or you can just continue to ignore that and private <laughs> message me until my phone explodes. <laughs> okay. Awesome. But hey, folks, we want to hear your stories. Send them in to us. We love, we love hearing it. So, and again, unfortunately, I will throw this out. You know, we are. A little backlogged right now because it's just me and Wolf doing a lot of the email and answering stories. But hey, guess what? That's still not deterring us. We are still staying in the fight and we are determined to go through every story that's mm -hmm. sent to us. And we have some people that are trying to contact you guys. I know you've used the words like uh, gross and creepy and that would be Tony. <laughs> we are trying. I'm just kidding, Tony. They, they just said they don't trust you. But anyways... Uh, we're, we're trying to get to your stories, folks. Let, let's get right into it with Ken. Yeah. So with that being said, let's bring on Ken. Okay. So Ken, you are a, a what I would say, like one of my favorite uh, researchers. You do, you research cryptids and you write books and I've seen you on TV. I've seen you on TV like several times and you just recently wrote a book. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, uh, thanks for bringing it up. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. It's a, definitely a pleasure and an honor to be here with you, man. Oh, man, the um, honors are all mine. No, I, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, my new book is called The Essential Guide to Bigfoot. And uh, it's literally within days of release. So um, we're, we're close, but um, it sh should be coming out soon. And um, yeah, it's uh, the reason I wrote the book is because I'm finding that I'm spending a lot of my time sort of uh, dealing with people that have found things on the Internet that are, you know, either misrepresentations or misleading or, or just, you know, straight up falsehood. So there's just so much misinformation out there with regard to the subject of Bigfoot. Now, 
granted, about 80 to 82 percent of the population, general population, does not believe in Bigfoot. So that you know, and I understand that the vast majority of people don't. But for the you know 18 to 20 percent of people that do, and you know those people have often read a lot of books and you know maybe have gotten better information. There's a lot of evidence you know that that would support the existence of these things. As, as amazing as that sounds. Uh, so there's a lot of evidence that people aren't aware of. Uh, of course, there's, you know, to counter that, of course, there are a lot of hoaxes and videos and things that are, that are dubious, and those are widely disseminated on the Internet. So that's what a lot of people come across, and that's kind of coloring, uh, you know, the, the public's perception of the, the subject of Bigfoot, if you will. Um, so, I, you know, I found myself in a good position in terms of, you know, I've been investigating Bigfoot pretty much my whole life. Uh, ever since I was a little kid, I've been reading every book on the subject, and I got into field research at a young age. I've worked with most of the leading Bigfoot investigators in the field, and, and still have relationships with them. And I've, you know, I'm also in touch with some of the old school Bigfoot researchers. Uh, this research has been going on since the 1950s and even before. So, uh, so yeah, the book is kind of a primer. It's got a lot of information in, in kind of easy to read format, but it's you know, it's technical at times, you know, because I, I like to get into the, the biology of Bigfoot, the physical characteristics, the, the ecology, and, and so on and so forth. Um, but, you know, there's also a lot of the history and um, trying to dispel, again, some of the myths. And I also have a number of eyewitness accounts that are pretty credible. Uh, and also information about my own personal investigations and field research, which have ranged from uh, Alaska all the way down to Central America and all over the United States. So, you, yeah, you, you, the last book I read of yours was A Menagerie of Mysterious Beasts, and I liked that book. It was really good. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that, that was, that was a good one. And then I read Encounters with Flying Humanoids. Now, you're from Texas, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, I got here as quick as I could, which was about <laughs> 30 some years ago, maybe closer to 40 now. <laughs> and, and so, so yeah, you, I'm from Texas. Definitely. Live in San Antonio at the, at the moment. And so, okay, so I, I, you know, one of the things, I, I just recently did an uh, episode about Bigfoot on the show. And when we posted it in the, in the groups on Facebook, one of the things I noticed was like the people, the UFO community, the ghost community, if you will, and like even some of the people who believe in Dogman. They didn't really, they're not all like on the same page. They don't really like believe in necessarily in Bigfoot. They're like making jokes and there were people that were like making comments. And that's one of the things that I don't, that I, because I do a show about the paranormal, I think it's all related in some way or another. But a lot of people don't agree with that. They don't, they don't seem to believe that there's a connection to any of it. But I, I believe, at least as far as my two favorite cryptids, which are Dogman and Bigfoot, I think they share a lot of territory. I think they share a lot of the same environment. And I don't know how you feel about that, but do you, as as a researcher in the Bigfoot, you know, as far as Bigfoot goes, do you believe, do you agree with that? Do you think that Bigfoot and Dogman, like, live in the same areas? Well, um, first of all, I have to admit that, you know, I, I have certainly dealt with some sort of paranormal and supernatural subjects such as the flying humanoids, which I think are squarely paranormal and supernatural. And my own opinion, Dogman goes in that category as well. I don't view it as a real 
flesh and blood animal. I think it's something supernatural, some type of manifestation or something. It just does, it breaks all the rules of biology in, in the natural world. Whereas Bigfoot does not. Bigfoot fits squarely and neatly into the natural world. It, it fits neatly into the human evolutionary tree. And so, you know, I, I look at these things kind of in different ways. But as a traditional cryptozoologist, um, and I have an interesting, this is a sociological observation more than anything else. You know, obviously these are all highly controversial subjects. Um, they're great enduring mysteries. <clears throat> these things tend to touch us on a very, they, you know, we connect with these things on a very intense level in some ways. And, and different people do that differently. Now, we all have different uh, biases, right? Either consciously or unconsciously, every human on the earth has biases, and whether they want to admit that or not. And those biases have often been, you know, created by filters and, you know, their, their upbringing and, you know, how they were raised and what they've been exposed to and cultural influences. So there's nothing wrong with that. Everyone's different. That's great. Um, but in my own experience, everybody that I've talked to that, you know, immediately, I should say, um, considers Bigfoot to be something paranormal, supernatural, or, you know, even extraterrestrial, all of those people are generally people that are either coming from the paranormal field or the UFO field. So they already have a bias towards the paranormal, towards UFOs, so Bigfoot fits neatly into their comfort zone. So they want to drag it in and say, okay, well, yeah, Bigfoot, that's, maybe that's paranormal or, you know, interdimensional. So um, it's possible. I mean, I you know, I, I won't say, you know, there's nothing that's impossible. I mean, I'm an open-minded person. But again, the evidence for Bigfoot is very compelling. Physi you know, there's physical evidence. There, you know, there's a, a number of levels of evidence that make Bigfoot very compelling as a zoological possibility. But I think things like Dogman and Mothman and some of those things may exist. But again, I personally see them in the paranormal or the supernatural realm. Yeah, one one of the things I was going to talk to you about, I remember watching a show, and I can't remember what channel it was. I've seen you on TV a few times. I know that I watched a show one time a while back that you were doing an investigation into the Chupacabra. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I remember is like, you know, at the end, the conclusion, there was like this, um, these people in Mexico, I guess, they, had, they, they, they were telling you they had one, but it was like, would it look like a goat or something like that? It was a deformed baby goat. Mm -hmm. Deformed baby yeah. goat. I remember that, and I remember thinking, yeah. you know, that is kind of typical of you know people that don't they they have something that they don't understand or they don't you know and they just they just throw it under the category of it's being a supernatural thing or something, and that happens a lot. I think a lot a lot of times there's a lot of debate about this uh, dog man, and I don't even like the term dog man. I've I've stated that before on my show and and, and interviews I've done. I saw one when I was 15 in my hometown. Um, I, I never saw it again, but the one thing that I remember is it, it looked flesh and blood to me, but there is a lot of people who are very hostile toward the idea that it is anything other than a flesh and blood creature, much like Bigfoot. And I don't agree with that. I think that uh, some of the things that other reports that I've gotten, and I've gotten a lot of them from various people that these things do things they they do things that are not natural they just appear and they disappear that didn't happen to me and the friend that i was with but 
that that's that also sometimes seems to be the case with Bigfoot. People claiming that they do things and they and that that are not of the natural order, like the natural realm. I do personally believe that there is a flesh and blood creature as uh, Bigfoot and I, or Sasquatch, and I think that there's a flesh and blood creature Dogman. But I also think that there's something else going on with Dogman in particular. I think that there's something supernatural. I think there's something. I don't know if you want to call it a skinwalker or something that that and and it gives off something somewhat of an evil vibe. That's just my opinion mm-hmm. on that. And I I've always wondered like you you go out in the field and you do research. You know, I always wondered if maybe there was a connection between that and then like, you know, like Bigfoot Dogman if there's like an if they're interdimensional or if there's something that they do that's natural to them that looks unnatural to us. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. So again, one of the common misconceptions is that there are all these paranormal, supernatural elements attached to the Bigfoot phenomenon. That's not actually true if you look at the action, if you look at the evidence. Um, 99.9% of Bigfoot sightings, it, I was driving down the road, this thing like an ape was walking its hind legs, it walked across the road, it disappeared on the other side. Or, I was walking through the woods, I saw this thing, it started walking away from me, it made a noise. You know, that, that's, none of that stuff indicates, a, you know, now the the weird things are, and I, you know, paranormal people always point to this quite fairly, well, how come we haven't found a body, how come there are no remains? Uh, but in terms of accounts of them like vanishing into thin air, or, you know, things like that, you know, literally, again, there are several thousand Bigfoot sightings that have been documented. And that, you know, you could probably throw all, all those paranormal type sightings into a box. You know, it just doesn't, it's not big enough to be relevant in terms of evidence. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. And I'm not trying to be elitist about that. These are facts, you know. So again, it's a, it's a perception. Oh, Bigfoot. Yeah, that's, we can't find it. Um, which is a great question. Why can't we find, we can't, we haven't found a body. Some people say they've shot them and it didn't hurt them. So therefore it's paranormal. So, um, uh, you know, again, I, I, I'm hoping to clear the air on that because I think that Bigfoot squarely fits in the natural world. But again, Dogman, and you brought up a good point. You know, a lot of people that have seen Dogman and stuff, it, it, it is a very real experience. It seems like a physical thing. There are often physical things left behind, like scratch marks on cars and things like that. And... Um, also, the behavior of the dogman is, as, as you said, very aggressive. You know, people often report that they're, you know, these things, that the dogman will chase them or attack, you know, attacking people, attacking property. So very, very um, non-typical of a natural animal behavior, whereas Bigfoot, it's the opposite. It ran away. It crossed the road. It disappeared. It walked away. You know, it's, it's very rare that we have accounts of, of aggressive behavior by Bigfoot. Those are fleeting. Um, now, in terms of the physical properties, and you know, I'm, I I don't pretend to be a paranormal supernatural investigator. I'm not. That's not my wheelhouse. But you know, my understanding from my colleagues in the paranormal is that you know, they some people claim that they've seen full body apparitions that did not look, uh, you know, amorphic and transparent, and you know, they looked solid. I've, I've had several ghost investigators. No, this thing looked like a person was standing right there. It had, you know. It didn't look, you know, what you would think of in a ghost in terms of uh, kind of vague or, or unclear. And then, you know, also, in, you know, ghosts can also have a physical presence, presence, right? They can make things 
they scratch people, they tap people on the shoulder, they something falls off the shelf. So that is a physical, you know, that's a physical thing that's happening. I mean, you can't deny that. It's like, okay, that just happened in our reality. So, you know, I think whatever these dogman things are, I, you know, again, I, I don't think it's born and evolved on the planet. I don't think it was created in a lab, but I do think it has a physical presence. And when they when they manifest, they are physically here, you know, in our reality. People can, people see them as real physical things. Um but, you know, I guess it's just the origin that's in question, right? Where do these things come from? Which is what they are. I mean, the thing is, in my hometown, I, you know, th- there are no legends or stories of Bigfoot. But there were stories of the Cadejo or the Hombre Lobo. And from the Latino community there, because I'm actually of mixed origin. I'm Hispanic and white. And on my mom's side, I was told many times about stories of these you know, the hombre lobo, my, my, my tia used to always warn me about going out at night. And I thought it was just a bunch of bull until it actually saw one. And then, um, a distant cousin of mine saw one two months later and actually did a, a I went over her encounter on uh, Dogman encounters. I've been on that show many times. I took a lot of reports, started out just doing reports locally. And then it just expanded people giving me their accounts. And I just went from there. But for years and years, I always I was trying to unlock the mystery of what it was that I saw, and never have seen it again. But I've talked to a lot of people who have, and I've gotten it runs the gamut from just completely flesh and blood to something ethereal. And now I've lived in a house that had a lot of paranormal activity. Uh, mm-hmm. I lived there for ten years, and I talk about it on one of the episodes on the show, and. That it was a completely different ball of wax. I didn't get the feeling from this dog man that I saw, if you want to call it that. It just looked like a werewolf to me, if you want to call it something. Sure. And mm-hmm. I didn't get the feeling that it was supernatural. And but there are so many there are so many arguments that happen in these groups. I see it all the time. People are like, "Oh, it's a flesh and blood creature," and they're real hostile toward the idea that it might not be. And 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 then of course the Bigfoot thing. I I believe that Bigfoot is flesh and blood. Like if you had to tell me, if you had to say choose a side, I would say flesh and blood. I think there's a lot of uh, accounts that you can't you just can't dismiss it. There's so many. I know that uh, I was reading uh, one one author. I was reading her book, and and there was what was essentially a Bigfoot encounter in the book about the Dogman. And it was these people who, you know, they, they were driving along and they saw it right in the same area as the dog man. So then you start thinking maybe there's an misidentification in some cases, you know, you can't really tell one way or the other. But in I do some believe cases, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think their territories overlap. Now, you being from you, you live in San Antonio, right? Correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're familiar with the devil's backbone. I don't know if you know that area. Um, I have not been to the area. I've heard of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's, it's right outside of San Marcos going from San Marcos to Blanco and then cuts down into Wimberley, almost like a triangle. That area right there, I got some reports started out with some friends that, that, uh, a buddy of mine used to work with. And I just started going out there, you know, and talking to people and, and there are two, this, this is kind of odd. I, I've noticed it on one side of the devil's backbone is Sasquatch. I don't get any dogman stories out of that area. 
But then on the other side of that area, I get uh, Dogman. Like they live next to each other, but it's kind of like they don't they don't go into each other's territory. Like one side is is like strictly Bigfoot, and the other side is is Dogman. I think that's interesting. I think that they you know because I do believe that there are some physical beings you know and and they're living in two different you know sections of the same territory, and I think that they know that and they kind of and that's just my opinion. But in your research, you have found. Like, like you were saying, like you predominantly, it is a flesh and blood creature and you've done a lot of research here in Texas and you have not found like reports of Dogman in the same areas as Bigfoot or, or I mean, like, how does that work? Have you, have you covered Dogman reports in the same area? Well, admittedly, I, I you know I don't do a lot of dogman research. I mean, I find it fascinating, but it's just not, you know, I, I I tend to be more of a traditional cryptozoologist. So traditional, which is which we're kind of becoming a dying breed, but original traditional cryptozoology is based on zoology. So it's really you're looking for unknown animals. And again, I'm firmly convinced that dogman is not something I could go out and track in the woods that I could lay out a bait and call it in and. It's, you know, it's something that appears and vanishes and we can only speculate perhaps as, as far as how that happens. Um, but, you know, you made points earlier. I mean, there are werewolf legends and, you know, let's be fair, Dogman is werewolf. I know a lot of people like to argue about that. No, it's different. It's like, look, werewolf means, were means a man in German and wolf. <laughs> man and wolf, man and dog. And, uh, you know, a dog and a wolf are genetically very close. They can breed all the time. You know, they're basically subspecies. So it's not, you know, they're, so anyways, werewolf legends are prevalent all over the world wherever you have wolves, you know, throughout Europe and Asia. And, of course, lately the dogman thing, I get reports. Uh, I do get some reports from researchers in Australia and South America and other places around the world, Africa now. So, you know, the dog dogman is making its presence known. But again, talking about origins, you know, and this is my my perspective, scientifically speaking, primates, which of course includes humans, and canids, dogs, carnivores, diverged from a common ancestor 35, at least 35 million years ago. Um, we went in radically different directions. One creature developed a four, you know, a quadrupedal gait, four legs, and it's built this way, and it does this, and primates eventually turned into the humans, the other, you know. So the thought that, you know, how would a dogman exist? I mean, what are we talking about? A dog that stands upright? Again, 30 million years of evolution pushed dogs in the other direction. So suddenly a dog can't just decide it's going to stand upright. So, you know, and there can't be any type of hybrid situation either. So, I mean, it's just, scientifically, it's just, it's hard to wrap your head around. Um, and again, I'm not poo-pooing the dogman phenomenon. It's real. People are having these experiences. They're leaving behind physical evidence. Um, so, it's, I just don't, I, I view it as different from Bigfoot. And, I, you know, um, it is interesting that people are kind of conflating the two and somehow, you know, trying to draw comparisons, but, um, they're both big and hairy and they walk on two legs. <laughs> so I guess yeah, my, you know, my, my, that, that, that's, that's a pretty big coincidence right there, I guess. So. Yeah. I got a friend who, when I, when I introduced him, cause he's into Bigfoot 
and he lives up in Fort Worth. And when I was hanging out with him one time, and we were talking uh, about the whole Bigfoot dog man. And one of the things that he said, he said the same thing. Like it, it's hard for him to wrap his mind around what a werewolf dog man could be. He's like, I, I can see a Bigfoot. This was his exact words. I could see a Bigfoot evolutionarily, you know, but how does that, how does a dog man or werewolf fit in? And one of the things that he brought up was like, he started doing his own kind of research, or whatever. And some people he thinks are misidentifying. And I think that's possible too. Because I've heard yeah. stories of Bigfoot that have almost like a snout, but and they have normal legs. But one of the things is human looking type legs. Yeah, human looking type legs. One of the things, and you know, Sal, <laughs> yeah. you, we we get reports mostly here in Texas yeah. of the backward bent legs, yeah, dog style, dog legs. style legs. You know, we get a lot mm -hmm. of those, and I don't, I don't really get many reports of them looking like uh well, we recently there was a, we we did a show where this woman was in her car and two of these dogman looking creatures were like ping-ponging her car back and forth and that's a report that we got but what's crazy is like they look she described them as looking almost like gorillas with with uh snouts i guess that would fall into the category of uh, i mean if you're thinking about the the, the whole animal kingdom, something more along the lines of a baboon, because that, yeah, that, that, that's I mean, another thing I was going to talk to you about, Ken, because we got a story out of Mason, Mason County, Mason, Mason County, Texas, yeah. where the things looked like, I, I think they're giant baboons. The guy, the kids were saying that they were like dog like, but when you look at a, a baboon and if it was like some sort of uh, like the Donopithecus, if you look at like the ancient. Oh, yeah. It, it Perfect. Looks, I, in fact, I did a sketch on my website one time where I showed a Dinopithecus next to a Dogman sketch, and they were like, almost except for the tail, it was almost like a perfect overlay. That's what we thought, you know, because we, yes. we, because me and Sal, we we were trying to figure out what it was, so we went back and we just researched everything we could, and we kept thinking, look, it sounds like a baboon, so we yeah. just kept on looking and then we're trying to compare the the uh, the comparisons, you know, trying to, to from what they told us. And it just, it, it had to be, I mean, it just, to me, that's what it was. I mean, when I went back and I talked to, you know, of course there, were, we, we talked to two different witnesses, but one of them was more like, no, it looked, had more like a wolf's head. But the other guy who got a, I, I think got a better look at it, got a better vantage uh, point, look at it. He said it, that could be what it was. I mean, the, the tail even was kind of like, you know. I don't know what they're doing roaming around the Texas country. So Texas is a big, big state. So, you know, <laughs> some kinds yeah, of weird there are people, stuff. I guarantee you there are people in Texas that have baboons on their property. I don't, <laughs> you know, I, I get those accounts where, you know, you know, we have, uh, there are populations of feral monkeys in Texas. A lot of people don't know that. Oh yeah. Of, yeah. You know, South Texas. I yeah. South Texas. And there's a, there's one that was actually shot up in, um, Coleman, Texas. Years ago, a hunter shot a big monkey up there that was running around in the woods. So they they do get out there. There are invasive things out there, but you know it, it would be hard to, to to relate the 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 baboon sighting type sightings to the entire dogman phenomenon since it's all over the place. And um, now you said something interesting about the backwards pointing legs, and I've heard that before. Um, but again, from a biological perspective, that doesn't make sense. What, what other two-legged animal can you think of whose legs are not straight down below them for the most part? Because yeah. you get, they have to support the full weight of the body. So there'd be no 
there'd be no advantage in having backwards pointing legs if you were an upright walking yeah, out. Yeah, if, you, if you're walking all the time on two legs, yeah. That said, and again, there's all these interesting aspects of the dogman phenomenon. Uh, Linda Godfrey and others have pointed out to me that there are many accounts of dogman going down on all fours and then also going up. So, you know, that, that makes a little more sense, I guess. Um, it's, kind of a, it's kind of like we're of the opinion, Ken, that uh, if you compare the Sasquatch to the dogman, um, we'd say, we like to say, think in, in terms of the Sasquatch feel more comfortable upright, but they will get down on all fours to, you know, scurry out of the area, do whatever they got to do. And mm-hmm. the dog man is kind of vice versa. They, they will prefer to stay on all fours, but if they need to scurry out of the area, you know, it's not beyond them to get on two legs and, and, and get out of the area as fast as possible. If that's what they deem they need to do at that point in time. Or given the situation, so, but it's it's really interesting. I was going to go back really quick on you, you know you mentioned the the canid and the human origins where that common ancestor thirty five million years ago, and I I do give a lot of credence to the uh, misidentification. There are some out there that believe that the misidentification is some type of a baboon because the baboon is kind of an oddball within the primate world. And when you think of in the form of monkeys, chimps, gorillas, now granted they're not part of the great apes. Um, Baboons family, have the muzzle. But they have that muzzle. And so that, that large, can cause, large canine thing. Yes. And so, you know, I, I just find it interesting. And, and some of the people that see these creatures are, some of them give you those basic, I guess you could say that basic uh, identification, but very few of them sit down and will actually describe it in detail and and can tell the can tell you the difference between a baboon and or a wolf and you know makes you think the ones that describe a very wolf or a creature that that resembles the the quintessential werewolf, uh, for example, like uh, on this the that movie series Underworld or. Van Helsing. Van, Van Helsing, yes. And, you know, those things are just really, you know, they're mind-boggling in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And, that you know, that may be another issue with the, another reason I lean towards a kind of a supernatural origin for Dogman is the variety of physical descriptions. I mean, they're a little bit, you know, different. Or there, I guess there's more variety or more diversity within the description. Um and, and, you know, there's something else, too, which, you know, we, we brought up the, a great theory there in terms of the giant baboon. A lot of creatures, cryptids, are composite identity, meaning that you do, of course, have some type of animal or, or something at the root of it, but you also have misidentifications of known animals, like you said. Um, you know, like in some cases, bears or coyotes can often hop on their hind legs and, you know, things like that. It may not make up a large percentage of the sightings, but, it, you know, some of them. Um, and also, I hate to go here, but, you know, a lot of people, and I've, I've done a lot of study for my new Bigfoot book. I interviewed a lot of psychologists and psychiatrists and sociologists and different people. Um, there are a lot of cultural reasons that, um, you know, people might for whatever reason, wishful thinking or, um, you know, some type of um, uh, clinical issue or, you know, whatever, um, see a dog man or think they see a dog man or, or, or piece the way their brain pieces it together, it was a dog man, you know. So 
I think some of that has probably had an influence, and that, that's true for Bigfoot as well. You know, not every Bigfoot sighting is actually a Bigfoot. People are probably seeing other things at times. Uh, now, the one thing I like to bring out, you know, you guys have been wanting to seemingly bridge that gap. Have you ever heard of the Horizon City monster, the Bigfoot that's been sighted out near El Paso? Are you familiar with that case? I've, I've not heard it called by that name. I've heard of some stories um, from that particular area. Uh, one story was, just to make it real quick, um, it was an older gentleman, um, a young Sasquatch. Was, he was out watering his garden. Young Sasquatch was in, in the midst of it. He saw it, got surprised, and hosed down that young Sasquatch with his, you know, with the water hose. And, of course, the young one took off. And then, of course, about give it six to nine months later, this old, this older gentleman who lived out in the boonies, he was like a rancher, never had to worry about locking his door. One night he wakes up to a horrible stench. And when he looks up, there is this Sasquatch standing over him and it Bit proceeded to, yeah, proceeded to pummel him and throw him around like a rag doll, lost a wow. few digits and so on and so forth. And and that's the story that I heard, and it was, you know, I that, heard that it. happened out there. I thought that it was, was out in the East El Paso Texas. area. Oh, no, wow. it was in okay. the El Paso area. So that's about all I've heard as far as a lot of encounters out in that particular area. There's a lot more to that story, and there's a gentleman named T. W. Youngs who who told that story, and I, I believe he's got firsthand involvement slash. Uh, witness of that particular story, you know, or all the details involving that story. So it was really, really interesting. Is, is that what you're talking about, Ken? Well, the Horizon City monster is a Bigfoot type creature that, that's been reported around Horizon City, which is a suburb of El Paso. The sightings go back to the 1970s and uh, more recently in the 1990s, there was a woman that, that had a sighting, a pretty good daytime sighting. And interestingly enough, her description, as well as some of the descriptions from the 70s, described a Bigfoot, but they said that it had a very dog-like, kind of a protruding dog-like jaw, uh, what we call prognatism, um, and, and also very pointy ears. So, you know, if you look at, look, look it up online and look at some of the sketches, and it's just, um, it, you know, I won't say it's a dog man, but it's the most canine-looking Bigfoot you know, because of the pointy ears and kind of the protruding jaw, and I guess maybe pronounced canine teeth too. It, you know, at least in terms of all the Bigfoot uh, accounts that I've investigated through the years, it, it it could almost be called a werewolf, you know, more, more than any other type of Bigfoot. So there's a possible that if you know if Bigfoot exists, maybe there are subspecies or you know different variations. And that's yeah, I'm sure you guys have heard that as a theory in the dogman world. Well, it's it's a different type of Bigfoot. It's a subspecies that looks kind of wolf-like for whatever reason, but um, who knows? You know, anytime we get reports of of something, oh, I see it. Okay, we just looked it up right now. Tony just brought up a picture of it. Thank you, Tony. That looks kind of like, uh, Anthony, if you didn't shave, that's how you'd look. It's my nephew. <laughs> yeah, oh, you're, you're that that uh, that is definitely that could because it, it's got that. You see it, Sal? Kind of a protruding muzzle looking. Yeah, thing. I see that. It's, yeah, it's very. Well, uh, witnesses described that, and the pointy ears were very noticeable too, supposedly. So those are two features that would make you think wolf or, or dog, probably. I, I could see that, but it's 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 really interesting as far as the sketch is concerned. I it makes you wonder. Um, I guess I, again. The the human memory is is or the human 
yeah, recollection of memories is, is really tough to get around. It's not the most reliable thing in court, believe it or not, folks. But it could have scared, you know, a lot of those people talking about the pointy ears. Well, have you ever noticed how, like, um, some of the some of the stories? Okay, now today we were just talking about the church that we were talking about, Sal, and and they said that the that the dog man looking creatures came out of a well. Okay, have you ever noticed how some of these dog men can climb trees very well, almost like a primate type? like talent, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't attribute that to a dog. Dogs or wolves themselves aren't climbers at all. And so that would, to me, have to be some sort of primate element to these things for them to be able to climb trees, you know, to, to move the way they do. It's, it's almost very primate like at times. And we do get descriptions of them being primate with like dog heads. I mean, they just, they just the way they describe them, the way they move, everything. Now I've seen a few photos of, you know, these were, you know, the photos that the claims is, um, is that these photos were of dog men, and I've seen them, I, and I'm a quite an avid uh, watcher of plenty of YouTube videos. I don't discriminate on who's. Uh, channel I go to, I do watch each video, take everything with a grain of salt. But some of these pictures, you know, some you can tell somebody's been messing with or they were faked, somebody in a costume, et cetera, et cetera. But the ones I've seen, I, I saw this one creature looked very, very canid and it had the long ears. I believe I showed you that picture. Yeah, you showed me that. What about the Beast of Seven Shoots picture? Yeah, that, now like that it's one. it's holding something in its arms. Yeah, to me, the Beast of Seven Shoots uh, photograph is of a quintessential, uh, as far as the face and head's concerned, baboon. I think baboon, giant baboon. But it's standing up. It looks stand, like it's, it's standing, standing straight up. Though. Yeah, it's standing upright. I mean, you could look at that, and it's it looks like a Bigfoot, mm-hmm. but it has like a baboon, baboon head. Type head. What's your take on that, Ken? Um. Yeah, I'm familiar with the photo. Of course, it's been disseminated for a long time. Um, yeah, it looks, you know, it definitely has a muzzle. I mean, um, now, it looks tall, of course, and that's the per- per- uh, perception, but, you know, it's it's just so hard to, to, and I know that photo watching has become kind of a popular thing, especially with everyone's got their mobile device, but uh, sadly, it's just gotten to the point where I just don't put much, you know, into photographic evidence of any kind, because... Um, it's either too vague and there's just not enough data there to make any type of determination, which is, I think, what we're talking about here. Or if it's too good to be true, then it's, you know, probably some type of CGI or, or Photoshop type gaff. So, um, I'm not trying to come off as negative, but, you know, we're, li- we're literally, at least in terms of Bigfoot, which is, you know, what I'm mainly focused on at, at this point, there's no way we'll ever prove that Bigfoot's real with a video. Unless, and it's probably still not going to be the case, unless the video was just so literally jaw-dropping that you fell out of your chair when you looked at it and said, oh, my God. And <laughs> even then, people would say, well, that's a you know, special effects or whatever. So Nobody's um, going to believe know, it, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like the PG and everyone's film. Got a different, yeah, and everyone's got a different perspective. You know, my thing is trying to find proof. I mean, that's kind of what... what, what my where my passion lies, and uh, I don't think it's going to be found via photographs or videos at this point. Yeah, because you can't. No, even if someone got a clear photo, like you said, they're going to be like that's fake. Because there's some people that are going to say that no matter what. I mean, 
I'm kind of the opposite of Sal. I don't really do a lot of um, looking at videos on YouTube. I don't really watch. I don't listen to a lot of shows. Most of what I do, I spend a lot of time, I do two things in my life. One is work, <laughs> and the other <laughs> is fielding reports. That's kind of what I do. That's my thing. Sal does a lot of the research and into the areas where we get reports, and then I take the reports and we go over them, and we're kind of like, what do you think of this? You know, if it sounds like something we could put on the show, you know. But you can't really, I mean, all you can do is go by what people tell you. I mean, there's, and, and, and we try to look for threads, as we call it. Yeah. Like, if we get a report... It's kind of an oddball report about something. I just kind of file it away. Yeah, I literally put it, put this, it in the file. On its own little shelf and yeah. leave it there for a while. And Until we find something that's very similar, like the whole pterodactyl. Um, yes, the pterodactyl. Yeah, we, we, got a, we got a couple of reports of these things down in South Texas. A long time ago, I heard one, a story about one. Well, I had no other, nowhere to put it. So, But then recently, we got a couple others. And then, you know, so then you're going like, okay, there's a thread now, you know. And like the the Bigfoot thing, uh, obviously the big thicket. I mean, East Texas people do not realize how m massive Texas is and how thick it is down thick there. Thick it is in the east. It's pretty much jungle. I mean, it's considered jungle because it's so thick, especially near Caddo Lake or whatever Lake Lake Caddo. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you're looking at like all the reports you get out of there. Well, a lot of these. Uh, reports you get of the Bigfoot, they sound similar in different regions. Like you'll get different, different colors. So obviously, you know, there, there's something, there's something to it. You, there's certain areas of Louisiana, they'll report like a reddish brown type color to the Bigfoot. And then, and then there's different ones like near San Antonio. We heard two or three out of that area. The Converse monster, I believe. Or Converse that's Texas where, that, that's the werewolf. That's oh, yes, that the is. That's correct. Yes. No, I was talking. Werewolf. I was talking. We were talking just the other day on the show. We were talking about the the area near the Air Force Base. Oh. I believe it was Kelly Air Force Base. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I investigated that. I've investigated the sightings near Kelly, so I've been to that location. Oh, and what what did you now tell us about that? Um, in August of 1976, and the old Kelly Air Force Base there, it's, it's a pretty even though it's within. San Antonio city limits and really within the city, it's, there's a lot of wooded area out there because, you know, obviously it's military, so yes. they're using using it for whatever. Um, right on the edge of that, there's a kind of a, a neighborhood and a gentleman um, named Ed Olivari, one morning, he heard his dog barking about seven o'clock. He went outside, uh, looked over his fence and he saw a large brown animal on the ground and there's some railroad tracks right there behind his property and just then the railroad uh, train started coming. And it rose up, and according to Ed, it was a seven-foot-tall Bigfoot, and it strode off into the woods. The very next morning, his next-door neighbor, an older lady named Rose Medina, heard her dog barking at about four in the morning, and she looked out her back window and claimed that she saw what we'll call a little foot, because it looked just like a Bigfoot, but it was only about four feet tall, maybe. She said it was about the size of a nine-year-old kid. And uh, bless her heart, she opened her window and shooed at it, and it ran away. So um, at that point, Ed heard about her sighting, and he postulated, not a bad theory, well, there must be a female Bigfoot and her offspring moving through our neighborhood. So he went out in the woods. He claimed he found some footprints. Those were looked at by a game warden that just kind of shrugged his shoulders. There was a 200-pound manhole. It was probably more than 200 pounds. An enormous manhole cover that got lifted off and moved uh, mysteriously. There were some mangled cats that were found in the property. And then there's one third vaguer sighting that I heard about from a lady who said that uh, 
uh, she was walking home from a laundromat and a Bigfoot jumped out of the bushes out of there. So that all happened within a few days back in 1976. There have not been, to my knowledge, any subsequent sightings in that area. Uh, but I did go out to the location. I located the property. Of course, new people living in the neighborhood, but some people had heard of the stories. The manhole cover we found. But, you know, I took some pictures, and there are some, you know, decent amounts of brush surrounding that area. So there are some wooded areas. So, uh, I mean, you know, I guess you could theorize that, you know, perhaps there was a Bigfoot or a couple of Bigfoot moving through that area uh, temporarily back in 1976. But nothing since that I'm aware of. That's, you know, that's really interesting, Ken, because my, my question to that was um, when you went and did your investigation, you know, and you got to take into consideration the the urban sprawl, for lack of mm-hmm. better words. Do you think that uh, it's possible that there may some some may still be coming around through that area or would it be just something that if they did, it would be a very unusual thing now, of course, in today's today's world because of all the urban sprawl? That's a good question. Now, I am I find it strange that a Bigfoot would be sighted anywhere near urban sprawl. Um, I was recently talking to uh, Cliff Barrickman, uh, who most people know from the show Finding Bigfoot, and he's convinced that they do uh, come very close, much closer to urban areas than we would ever realize. Um, so if Bigfoot exists, and we haven't been able to find it, the only explanation for that is that it's very rare and that it has adapted behavior patterns specifically to avoid humans. So it it recognizes that humans are its greatest threat. We're in direct competition. And if they're intelligent enough to realize that, then the behavior patterns they may have adapted would include living in the areas we don't go, so in the most remote wilderness areas, but perhaps also somewhat being uh, being somewhat nomadic and moving around when they have to um, and, you know, just being on the move all the time. And, of course, there's also a lot of evidence that they're nocturnal, primarily, not always, but primarily nocturnal, you know, coming out at night when humans typically are asleep. So if you take all that into consideration, then theoretically, you know, a Bigfoot that was living in a remote wilderness area got pushed out for whatever reason, deforestation, a fire, a, you know, a hurricane, and, and, and moved or had to move to a different area, then it might move closer to an urban area than, than you would expect, but still remaining in the woods as much as possible. Um, and, of course, it's all speculation, but, I mean, that would be the only reason that I would expect to, to have a Bigfoot anywhere near an urban area is if it was, you know, being forced to move or it was on the move somewhere. It certainly would not make its home there. Uh, that that would that wouldn't make sense. Well, let me ask you a question, Ken. <clears throat> Do you think that now that everywhere you go, you know, out in the country, there's a Walmart or a Sonic that just yes. pop up everywhere that um, urban sprawl that maybe out in places it never did before? Yeah, so maybe a lot of the Bigfoots have just become like everyone else, suburbanites, sure. and they're just going to be <laughs> where it's convenient. Because well, I actually feel that. I filled in a report of a Bigfoot at the Sonic ordering a Coney. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, on a serious note, you know, mentioning the the adaptation of patterns and all this, I've always been of the, you know, and, and of course it's not set in stone because we really don't know what these creatures really do, how their family structure is set up exactly. And so 
unfortunately, we're right now we're we're at the state at the stage in this type of research and just like the Eastern people were in the United States a hundred to two hundred years ago when they would hear about the quote unquote savage Indians out out in the um, you know out in the in the West. You know, they heard everything under the sun about them and how they were savages or this and all that, but they really couldn't prove anything unless they went out there and interacted with them. And then most of the time that wasn't the case. They were just getting stories from some reporters who went out there and talked to some people and then they'd glamorize the story and send it back. So they thought they were subhuman, et cetera, et cetera. So what I'm getting at is, is um, you know, we will probably never know. And then, of course, disclosure, et cetera, et cetera, because there are many people out there who believe the government is well aware of what's going on with these creatures. And to keep everything on the down low, well, they've many believe that there is a there is a task force that operate under the guise of the government, et cetera, et cetera. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that, is that do you think it would be out of character for these creatures to be spotted in and around uh, suburban areas if they were older, maybe can't hunt that well or female. And then, of course, you know, trash and everything else. Yeah, you hear about there. them going through garbage. So would that things? sound like yeah. it's something well, out of the question? Yeah, those are good questions. As far as going through the trash, um, there's a lot of evidence that Bigfoot is a generalist omnivore basically an opportunistic omnivore, just like a bear. So, yes, I could see a Bigfoot going through a trash dumpster if it were, you know, in fact, there have been Bigfoot sighted around dumpsters and grease traps and things. So that makes sense. Um, as far as on the go, I, I think it's the opposite, actually. And the reason, if you use, for example, and this is all wild speculation, but in the primate world, and let, let's use gorilla hierarchy, I think that's the best example, Gorillas live in small groups that are dominated by an alpha male, and he's got several wives, if you will, a harem, and the children and the, the, all of his unions, and sometimes there's a younger male. But at some point when the male starts, the younger males start to get too old and big, and they're a challenge to the alpha male, he pushes them out of the group. And then they have to go in search of another group that they can either challenge a male that's dying or you know, take over and establish themselves. So the long-standing theory in the Bigfoot world, and this this has been proposed by anthropologists, not just me, but is that the Bigfoots that are seen are mostly younger males that are rogues, that are on the move, looking for a new territory, looking for a family unit to take over or a mate or something like that. Uh, and my good friend Nick Redfern, who's a prolific author and investigator, mentioned to me one time that it would also make sense that the Bigfoots that are seen more often are the juveniles or the younger males because they're stupider and they're more prone to make a mistake than an older seasoned Bigfoot that knows how to stay hidden and how to stay away from humans. So I mean, so it's almost like a you know a teenager kind of you know, screwing up. Which I was a teenager once. I screwed up a lot, so I can totally relate yeah. to that. It sounds like uh, this is reminiscent. Oh, I'm sorry. This is reminiscent of what, you know, the hunters talk about when you go out hunting for the big buck, the trophy buck. The mm -hmm. seasoned hunters know to wait and let the first few bucks come out there and then wait around, wait around until the big buck finally decides to show himself because he allows the younger bucks to get out in the open before he does. Mm. So yeah. it sounds reminiscent go. of that. Well, it's, also, a very, it's, a, 
very common thing in nature, I'm sure. One of the things too, Ken, that, that Sal is fond of talking about is how we are their TV, like we're their entertainment. They, yeah. they can, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm a sure. firm believer that they can see us when we can't see them. I agree. Yep. hundred mm -hmm. percent. I mean, I, I've been out in the bush, you know, when I was younger, I tramped, tra uh, traipsed around a lot out in the country until I saw uh, a, a werewolf and then I quit. But that was, <laughs> but that actually was on the edge of town, not, you know. But then I just thought, man, these things probably live out there. And so I kind of stayed away for a while. But starting to go back out now more, being more outdoorsy. But uh, Bigfoot, I, I really believe that they that they like to people watch, you know. And I think it's also for their survival that they have to mm -hmm. keep an eye on us because they don't trust us. You know, you got to know what your, your neighbors are doing if they're possible threat. You know what I mean? I think they view us something yeah. along the lines of a hornet's nest you kill one you stir up the nest and then, mm -hmm. then you're going to have a whole slew of hornets coming after you and i'm sure that they understand that that's not something they want yeah yeah well that's an interesting point i think there are a lot of accounts of them peeking out from behind trees and i think they're also good at and this goes back to the paranormal thing we've kind of done a little full circle here so i've had one experience i've, I've never seen bigfoot with my own eyes i convinced I've heard it on a couple of occasions. One time I was in an active area, sitting in a tree stand for hours on end, and I heard, started hearing these loud bipedal footsteps crashing through the brush. Now, I couldn't see what it was, and I had a camera, so I was trying to get better positioning, but this thing sounded huge. And this was in an area that was known for a lot of Bigfoot sightings. Um, so after a while, I was this was a, a not a tree stand, but a free stand, and it was kind of old and rusty. And so when I... I decided finally, I was like, man, I got to get down out of this stand if I'm going to see this thing. So the, as I turned to, to get to the ladder, the chair creaked. And right at that exact instant, the footsteps stopped. Mm. And I eventually came down, looked through the woods where I thought I'd heard this thing. And it's like, it, it seemed like it had vanished. And this, this is maybe why people have kind of this paranormal interpretation of, wow, this thing just vanished. I think that it, it, you know, basically it, it realized I was there and somehow either remained still enough, and this is another description of Bigfoot, I'm sure you guys have heard this, that they supposedly not only are they good at hiding behind trees, but they can also blend in and stand extremely still if they have to. And that's kind of one of their adaptations. It's like camouflage, you know. Um, and, and, you know, you mentioned deer a minute ago. I mean, how many times have you seen a deer walk by you into the woods and it's five feet away from you, and it stops, and you just can't see, it. can't see it. You know it's right there, but it's just so good at remaining still and blending in. So, um, you know, so again, yeah, I think they do like to watch us. I think they like to observe us, and I think they're very good at, at obscuring themselves in the brush. And you could probably be pretty close to a Bigfoot and not know it. When I was a kid, Ken, um, we actually talk about this too on one of the shows. It was a an episode of what I call near misses, I guess, for me, because I was with a group of people who were at Mount Bunnell in Austin who claimed they saw a UFO. I didn't see it. So I was with them, but I wasn't, I, I didn't see what they saw. And so there was a time when I was little, I think I was like 11 years old. I think I was 10 or 11. And there were, there was a, a, a slumber party with a bunch of kids and we all went out to my friend's ranch uh, outside of town. and we were there for the weekend. He's or, the, he was the well-off kid. Yeah, he was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I was. The parents, the parents were the well-off. Well yeah, so he they had go-karts and all kinds of stuff. So we went out there, and the, his, the long story short, his brother 
and a couple of the older guys that they, that were there, they weren't part of the summer party, but I guess he got a couple of friends that came out there and they were going to play a prank and they were going to scare all the little kids that were all ha- hanging around the den and they, and they, they were going to pop up in the window and wear like a steer's head with a duster on, 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 you know, on top of a duster. And that was supposed to be, and so I caught them talking about it. So they had to involve me in the prank. They said, okay, well, we'll use you to, 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 to steer the kids into that room. And so what ended up happening was in another area, a bunch of kids started screaming and me and Shane, the, the guys that were involved in doing it, they, we were like, what, what's going on? So all these kids were in another area and they started screaming and they claimed to have seen what the only thing that I can describe it as is a Bigfoot. The way they described it was like very ape-like, but I swear I was just in the next room. And when I ran into the other room to look to see what they were, they were looking at, I didn't see it. So I missed it. But like a bunch of kids that were there, even we're all grown now. And we, they still, to this day, you could talk to any of them on Facebook. They're like, yeah, I saw a Bigfoot. Um, had a very ape-like face and the way that it turned and, and left that, that the premises, it was, it was that close to me. And I ran in the next room and I didn't see it. Like me and the other, other older kids did not see it at all. The older kids were teenagers that were going to try and scare the little kids, but uh, which would have been my age, but you know, I didn't see it. And it it was so quick and like it, it got away so fast. And from the way they described how it jumped over the barbed wire fence and was gone into the brush, I just can't imagine how fast that thing must have been and how quickly it must have gotten away for me to have missed it. Um, but, you know, several guys that I went to went to school with all the way through high school and whatever, they to this day will tell you that when they were little kids, they saw a, a Sasquatch or a Bigfoot or what looked like a Bigfoot. And it just it always made me think, man, if they, if they could be that quick and be that close to you and you can miss it, I mean, gosh, any, anything's possible. Absolutely. Here's another thought, uh, Ken, and you know you can let me know what you think on it. Uh, I'm of the opinion, and again, like I said, I can't leave my, uh, I guess you could say, positions set in stone because we really don't know everything there is to know about them, or officially we don't know anything of them. But um, since they're bipedal, and I've heard lots of researchers talk about how they'll get down in low crawl military style and it's very natural for them to do it and sitting still is one of those things you practice and learn you know as far as when you're in the military you know I'm a career military man retired and everything else so I understand so do you think that would be out of the realm of possibility no uh, you know like you said, if we can do it, I don't see why they wouldn't be able to do it if they felt they had to do it, you know. So, no, I, I think that that is, you know, if they go down all fours, there are reports of that. And, um, you know, they might also, as you said, you know, get down and belly crawl or, or lay down flat in order to obscure themselves, you know. So, so Ken, uh, you said you needed to be out of here by by a certain time. Are you... Are you- you still got a few moments, or do you, or do you, or do you have to go? Yeah, you need I'm to afraid go. I got an appointment coming up here, and another appointment in a few minutes. So Absolutely, it's okay. To... Well, it's been great. Yeah, it's been great talking to you. Well, guys, I, I appreciate you bringing me on. I appreciate your kind words. Um, you asked some great questions, and I thought it was a pretty engaging conversation. So, yeah, uh, you know, as you as you guys pointed out, the bottom line is we just don't know. I mean, this is all speculation. Um, these are iconic mysteries that have been with us forever. 
um, may, may, may be gone, maybe still going on long after we're gone, I hate to say it. I'd like to see some of them solved. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's just good that people will at least keep their minds open and, you know, consider the possibility that there are things happening in our world, in our universe, that we just don't know and we just don't understand yet. They're great mysteries, and uh, there's nothing wrong with searching answers searching for answers absolutely yeah. it's, been, it's been a pleasure like i said i've always I've been an admirer of your work and uh, yeah because it's very no nonsense straight to the point let's mm-hmm. stick to the facts and and that's one of the things that we talk about when we referenced uh the 411 books that i have to say that david politis that he st- you know that's the style of how he wrote that book and that's why i like your work well, and i like his his ken, books. ken you don't one thing you don't do you don't go out there and just because you know you didn't find something, you don't go, well, I'm just going to make it something. Because you see that a lot of times, especially with ghost hunters. They're just like, did you hear that? Oh, that was it. You know, and you're not doing that. But you're also not going out there and trying to just debunk everything. You're just a very pragmatist type person, in my opinion. It just You appear to be very no-nonsense pragmatist. Well, I appreciate that. And I, I think I appreciate that one of the hardest things for humans, any human to do, is to separate our critical and analytical mind from our emotional mind. And these, as I said at the beginning, these topics touch us humans on a very primordial, very, you know, we connect with these in certain ways. And for many people, there's, there are emotional needs and, and biases that unfortunately will, you know, skew their, their perception or, or as you said, they, they've got to experience something. It's not like they can, they can go out in the woods. I don't mind going out in the woods for hours and hours and not experiencing anything because I just love being in the woods. <laughs> you know? so it's like, if I don't see a dog man or a Bigfoot, it still had a good time. But, um, you know, I just hope people will keep it real, you know, think critically, question things, um, research, you know, don't, don't jump to conclusions and, um, you know, just be interested in the subject matter. It's, it's very cool stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. That being said, we're going to let you go, man, so you can get get on with your day. I appreciate your time, Ken. Appreciate you guys. And again, The Essential Guide to Bigfoot, uh, my new book, will be out here in the next couple of weeks. So it'll be on Amazon, and uh, people can also contact me. People can contact me via uh, social media if they want a signed copy. Oh, man, awesome. that's awesome. We'd, we'd love a signed copy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Heck, yeah. Well, if nothing oh, else, God. next time, uh, you know, next time, you know, we, you have you know, your local conference in the state of Texas, whatever, we're able to make it. I'll have my copy in hand, and I'll, you know, <laughs> you can sign it. Yeah. I'd be happy to. That'd be awesome. awesome. It'd be an honor. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate right, it, Ken. We'll let you go. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, guys. Have a great night. You Thanks too, to everyone too. who listened in. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.